Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. This is, uh, this is Austin and I'm back. I am back. <laughs> oh, I missed you guys. It's been a week. <laughs> Only a week. It's been two weeks because we, we skipped last week's podcast episode. But um, you're right. Imagine this is someone's introduction to this podcast. They're just like, who the fuck are these guys and why are they so creepy? <laughs> it's funny. Um, Anyways, you're listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin Ye. And Mayu, what's going on, everybody? Austin. How have you yes. been, man? How is Mexico? Mexico, yeah. So for those who have been following, I went to Mexico last week for one full week, seven days. Not a very long time. I wish I was there a bit longer. I went with uh, my wholesale and business partner, Waylon McGill. He was on this podcast last episode. Um, we were there for like a mastermind, a real estate mastermind, US based. We were one of the few people from, I think there were three people from Ontario. Most of the Ontario tribe didn't show up. Three's actually not bad. Like, I'm surprised three people even made it, yeah. <laughs> given how, like, fucking strict. It's primarily U.S.-based, right? Yeah, it's 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 primarily U.S.-based mastermind. There are people in Ontario as well, uh, probably around Canada. So what it is, it's focused on fixing and flipping and wholesaling. Um, so a seven days of just getting to meet people, networking with other high-level investors who are doing cool shit, right? Like, I met someone who was uh has like a i think it's a five or six million dollar wholesaling business in the states right um so that's pretty cool and just getting to pick their brain apart on how they were able to scale what systems do they have in place who are they hiring um on top of that there's a lot of mindset stuff we talk about this all of the time and i would like to say i was chilling and enjoying the weather but like honestly man i was working so fucking hard and <laughs> i am so ashamed to say it <laughs> yeah it was not it was not relaxing at all <laughs> yeah, that's, not, that's not one of your morning texts to me the night the day after your rough nights was about you're like, yeah like I felt, <laughs> all right, oh back. oh yeah 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 so basically the real so like we hired someone actually recently in our wholesaling business we're getting a bit off tangent well the guys i guess this is the preamble portion <laughs> but uh yeah so we hired someone recently in our wholesaling business um, who are is going to be handling the 90% of calls that are not actual deals, you know, like vetting, and then they'll vet it and then pass on the qualified lead or VA. No, no, this is an actual local, um, not an invest. Yeah, I guess investor, a local individual working full time with us in Ontario, Toronto to handle those calls, right? So yeah. Waylon will only touch 10% of the legit calls and on top on the disposition side, I will only talk to the people who are like more serious and willing to purchase uh, the property. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. So, so it's not just the acquisition. It's not just the calls in for the like lead flow, but it's also the disposition lead flow as well. Right. Yeah. Have. Well, right now, because we're such a small team, right? yeah. <laughs> we're all doing everything. Um, but yeah, so I, I mentioned that because the realization came when I got pissed and I texted my, I don't know if I texted you when I was drunk Texting. or when I was hungover, probably when I was hungover, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I got so pissed drunk one day and then I woke up the next day with a nasty hangover with a fucking full inbox of emails 
And I was like, oh God, I gotta like, oh, I can't even enjoy one day without having to attend to work or else revenue business will slow down. Yeah. So yeah. that was a real, that was a breaking point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. Man. All right. So, so if you haven't already realized this week, uh, we're actually going to do it differently. I think I spoke about this on our last episode, but this week we're kind of going to do, cause our, our last episode where it's just me and Austin bickering with each other was our year end update one, where we talked about kind of the goals that we had in place. Um, so I think it's time kind of just, just to do an update on where we're at in our journey. I think a lot of people find that, I don't know, interesting. Um, and it, it, I think it just helps to see that, like, look, like everyone's kind of moving forward together. I think that's a big part of why we share our goals so publicly. It's just, look, like take this as motivation, take it as you're not crazy, whatever you want to take it as. Um, it's just kind of sharing what we're doing so that everyone kind of moves forward together, right? That's part of the journey. Um, and kind of helping everyone kind of mimic us or whatever you want to do with our journey. Right. Um, so no, no, you start off this time. Right. Um, (laughs) so past, I think it was January when we released that episode. Now it's May, but let's talk about the past. uh, Fuck it. Yeah. The past four months. Like what, what have you been up to? What did you do? Um, what do you feel like you could have done better? Um, okay. So technically this falls right outside of the four months, but I, I actually know I quit my job April 30th. So there you go. So that that's within the four month range. Right. And that was definitely um, the biggest win for me. Last time we were recording this episode is when you had quit your job. So that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's a big, there's a big part uh, or a significant value in kind of surrounding yourself by people that are on a similar journey. Right. So basically as you quit your job, right. That makes me go, fuck, what am I doing in my life? Right. Why did I quit my job and like fucking jump into this shit? Right. <laughs> so there is significant value in that. And it goes, the same story can be applied to like, if you're trying to get into like, like wholesaling, right. Surround yourself and like talk to other wholesalers that are like constantly wholesaling and you yourself will progress. Right. It's a big part of the reason that like you do coaching and like stuff like that too. Right. To surround yourself by people on a similar journey. But anyways, that's a tangent on its own. Um, quit my job. I'm going into the mortgage space full time joining Synergy. Um, Synergy. So Jacob Perez, we had him on the episode before of joining his brokerage. Um, going to be working with a lot of new investors. I've already kind of started doing it. a lot of creative financing. It's weird. It's, it's almost like the deals that come to me. It's just like people want private. So it's just like, I just help them get like blended rates, right? Where you're not like paying an arm and a leg and like you kind of like end up at like a, a lower approach by going with the blended rate options. I've so what what is a blended rate for those who don't know? So it's just like, look, if you try to get like 90% financing, you're going to be paying an arm and a leg right? It's just the reality of it. And you're going to be paying that arm and leg interest rate on the entire 90%, mm-hmm. right? Versus so like 10% for the entire 90% loan to value, for example, right? Just for don't pay 10% interest on 90% LTV with the private, right? You're paying like 15, 16% on the- Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> okay. Versus yeah. like, the, the, like the, the simplest thing that you could do is just go, go to a private, right? Go to them for the 70, 75% LTV. Go to them for 80%, right? A much more reasonable rate. You'll be at like- mm-hmm eight or nine percent right and then get top up financing for the remaining 10 or 15 percent right yep you raise that works out to be like 14 or 15 percent right versus like if you're paying 16 percent plus lender fee on the entire thing plus like legals and like all that kind of shit so it's really honestly because i've got like my own investors my own capital right so i'll top people off right and so like i'm working with a lot of like newer people on that approach um and a lot of privates and like obviously the regular like a lender stuff as well like that that's an easier side tier as well. Right. Um, so a lot of that stuff's going on. I'm also joining Corey as a senior coach. Um, I've been doing coaching calls like all this time and I just feel like it's, it, it's, it's fun, right? Like you help a lot of newer investors and um, it's great, but I was like, you know what? I'd rather help like 
five people jump from like three or four properties to like 10 or 20 properties, right? Like yeah. there's more enjoyment in that. Um, and I'd imagine why you like when you're taking coaching calls with like, I'm, I'm guessing it's always new clients, right? Yeah. Or, or for the majority of the part. So a lot of the questions become repetitive, somewhat the same, I, I would assume, or at least some, some portion of it. So it gets dull rather than you have five people questions will always change because everyone starts evolving at their own pace. Right. It's, it's not just that. Cause I do think like everyone comes with like a different journey. They're at a different step. So it is like pretty interesting sometimes. Um, but it's more so like, I have no like continuous relationship with the people that I'll coach. Right. So like, I could like tell you, you know, do this, do this, do this, whatever. And like, it's up to you to like go out and execute it. But like, I have no idea what happened after that coaching call is done. Right. So then like sometimes I'll be, I'll be messaging people and going, yo, it's like, what happened with that deal? Like you end up locking it up. Right. So as I, as I was doing that more and more, I was like, you know what, I might as well just have like actual coaching relationships with people for a longer period of time. And I think I'd be able to provide more value to them. And they'd like, we'd actually be able to like build something out together, which I think would be more fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the coaching side. So I'm going to be a senior coach on Corey's team. Anyone that's interested in that, shoot me a DM on the side and we'll talk about that. Um, but other than that flips and real estate investing flips, uh, we exited one flip, I think the first week. So, of- so let's talk about your different flips. The first one that we could recall is the Belleville one, right? Yeah. Has that one closed sold? Yeah. That one's okay. Closed. Let's walk through the numbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> High level. <laughs> out there, eh? Um, all right. So we bought that one for one. 64 or five or something like that, like three, four, five, whatever. Okay. Uh, we spent uh, 40, 40 to 45K. Like I, I got to check the exact numbers. We basically mm-hmm. spent 40 to 45. Um, that one, we closed all cash. So no private financing. It was just like a very easy deal. Um, so I think we were all in for about 205 to 210 or something like that by the end of nice. it. Um, and then we sold it for 350. Uh, nice. That's minus, a huge chunk. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you minus the realtor commissions, property taxes, things like that, like miscellaneous shit that just pops up along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we netted just over a hundred, if I'm not mistaken. That's awesome. Before yeah. netted before taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tax man comes. Right? Uh, <laughs> the tax man is your JV partner for every deal. Cause it'll take literally half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. But, but when we bought that property, honestly, we were only forecasting to exit it at 290 to 310. Right. That's great. So, yeah. I'm guessing the market just, what it was right around that time where it's February, where it just went bonkers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the market, the market gave us the extra 30 to 40 grand. Right. So it should have been about an 80 K profit, which mm-hmm. was still like healthy. And I was still happy with that. Um, the market just gave us a final push. Right. Um, the next flip is the one that we closed. So I like to do basically one flip at a time. It basically controls my risk. Cause I like, I was actually talking to someone else about this today. And um, I, I thought, I'm curious what you think about this. So I thought flipping was the highest risk in real estate investing, right? Because that's the only, um, that's basically when you've got significant inventory on the market, right? Um, the person I was talking to today, he brought a different uh, mindset to it. And he was basically like, flipping and wholesaling are your biggest risks in, in real estate. And he's like, when you're wholesaling and you've got a bunch of deals that are closing, he's like, wholesaling is risky if you're new. Right. So if you don't have your own capital, if you don't have access to private capital and you're wholesaling deals and then the buyers pull out at the last minute, that's a significant risk on you as a wholesaler. Right. Um, anyways, the, the, I, I don't know if you agree or disagree. I, I agree with that. Right. Like it has. So so the big thing, it's a when when you work with any experienced wholesalers, they're going to add clauses in which and the seller signs this on the seller side and on the assignee assignor side that says that they're released from the liability when they assign the deal and the seller signs off on that as well. Uh, right. 
And then likewise, on the assignee assigner side, you bought in a fair share of wholesale deals. You've probably seen that you're responsible if you know anything happens and you can't close the deal for whatever reason however it is still a big risk because you're trusting like these sellers are trusting you to deal with their problems and situations you would be an asshole if you just can't close it yourself you went clean and there's only three days left like you got you got to figure out a way right um so yeah like in that sense it is a risk because morally you should still close it and you're you need to do anything you can to raise that money and close the property or have the funds to close them in cash yeah but agreed exactly so so anyways so, so what i was getting at is i like to do one flip at a time so um in january the or end of december i knew the belleville flip was coming to an end from a reynolds perspective so i was ready to buy my next one um and then the next one that i bought was the one in tiny that one um had all sorts of issues with the contractors ended up firing them um, we're still in the clear. I think we so we bought that one for three twenty. Um, we're gonna we, we are gonna end up at about sixty five to seventy in it, which is higher than the fifty that we initially planned because of the contractor issues and the furnace going out and all sorts of issues like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but still not that bad and uh, forecasting a good profit. But I'll definitely share that on here once we actually have it sold in firm. Shout out to Mike Lee, Michael Lee for yeah, for Lee. for blessing you with that deal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Chad locked up the next deal in Chesley, Ontario. That one. Um, we'll we'll see how that one goes. But that one is closing June thirtieth. Um, you know the funny thing about that deal I told Mayu but uh, so he bought it from another wholesaler but uh, we're competing against that wholesaler too (laughs) oh that's funny it's a small world right and that anyone that's like if you're jumping into this real estate community world like it's so small right like everyone knows everyone and like the the names just fly around so if you're ever thinking about burning bridges don't 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 do it don't do it no never (laughs) Um, awesome And, and what's the deets on that property uh, that one we'll we'll see what we'll see what it actually works out to. You and I like we talked about it. We had very different renovation budgets, right? Um, uh, but I think our ARV was exactly aligned to what. Yeah. I think you even undershot the ARV from what yeah, I would yeah. think it'd be. So I had a I had a lower renovation budget, but a lower ARV by about like thirty grand. You had a higher renovation budget by like fifty grand or something, but you had a higher ARV by forty like k. So like we might end up at the same thing, but I'm expecting. Um, very conservatively, like a, like a 60 to 70 K profit. So the, I guess where you're getting a huge leverage is, is that since you're doing one flip at a time, then funding the next flip, you're closing things in cash, right? Whereas what I've realized, uh, as I started analyzing more numbers with private money, private money is so expensive. Like when you bring in legal fees, which are going to be around four to five K off the bat, right. To register it on title, if you're getting it registered and it's not like, you know, if it's secured, um, five K legal fees. And then like, if you, sometimes it's most of the times it's not closed, but if it's closed, you got to pay that, you know, penalties. If you break it, interest rates are going to be very high. And also, uh, if you're paying points then that gets aggressive as well. Right. So like league, uh, private money can easily cost you another. Forty thousand. <laughs> what are you doing? What, what kind of private rates are you paying? No way. On a two hundred k purchase price, on a two hundred fifty k purchase, if you're if you're trying to go zero money down, yeah, fine. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Like I like everything is yeah, with the uh, like zero money down, like fully funded. Is, is what I mean. You might as well just drop like twenty to thirty k of your own cash in there, and then at that point, your private will cost you like sixteen grand, seventeen grand. Yeah, yeah, but it still eats into profit margin, right? And if you're going fully levered, if you're, which so, is so like this one that we're doing out in Chesley, um, I am going the private route. Okay, like, nice. 
but yeah, so this next, th like this next flip that we're closing June 30th, that one, we are using private funds and uh, part of it, it's part of a journey, right? So for me, it's like flipping, like I was always like, let me mitigate my downside by closing these all cash. So at least like if the market turns, I'm not like in pain trying to like pay back a private lender when everyone's tightening up their wallets, right? Mm -hmm. um, so now it's like I've liquidated like some other things along the way. Like I just have more slush funds and I'm okay taking the risk of bringing on private for these flips. Um, so this one we are like, we are levering up, but yeah, you're that's right. awesome. It's time. very, it's very interesting how different people have different models. Your model is definitely more risk adverse. So it's good. It's a risk mitigated approach, right? Cause you're buying things in cash. I've noticed per my discussion and people in the States when like, it's a wholesaling flipping mastermind, a lot of people try to leverage up um, from construction to hundred percent load to value, get the deal done in and out. Now the profit margins are going to be significantly slimmer than yours because you're paying an arm and a leg with all of these privates. Right. Um, but their goal for them is more so turn around more product, right? Turn around more flips in, in the same period of time to make up for that. Um, but at the same time, if you're going to take that approach, then you need to hire people like project managers because now you're doing five or six flip concurrently you need to hire like acquisitions people um you know like you got to put the teams and systems in place because you're managing a ton more flips for you the great thing is is that you're doing a flip at a time which means that you can be fully invested if you really wanted to without killing yourself right yeah. so it's, it's it's what i call like a hobby business right like exactly. i could do it as much as i want to do it and i don't have to do it if i don't want to do it i have no commitment to anyone right mm -hmm. uh which to me, like I just like, so, so that's cool on the flipping side. Um, I think I'll keep it at this pace for a little bit um, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll slowly start to wrap it up to a pace. Like I just don't want to be putting in my own capital. And if I could just flip still one property at a time, but have my own capital doing other things like private loans and stuff like that, that'd be ideal for me. Yeah. Uh, so I'll raise my own private and issue my own privates is kind of my goal. Um, wow. Okay. I think I've spoken way too much. Uh, I'll quickly just talk about investing. I think when we spoke in December, Austin, both of us had go at a goal of like 30 or 40 units or something like that. Um, I think so. It was. But uh, yeah, so, so Q1 this year closed about 15 units in New Brunswick and one single family house in Sudbury. Nice. Um, so it's so you're there. <laughs> you're, on, you're on your way. It's, it's interesting because let's move on to kind of what you were talking about. But the one thing I will say is there's been periods in the last four months where you said you weren't going to buy any more real estate. And I was like, dude, you're crazy. Just fucking buy. Right. And then you flipped and went 180, I guess. And you were like, dude, I'm just going to buy everything. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm not right? buying. <laughs> and then we both just keep like, and then we both just enter back into the market. Right. So um, it's not like myself and Austin, like we're both like very conscious of like shit, like a lot of shit is happening in the market and like, we've got our finger on it. And like, we see everything that's happening, but Austin, enough about me. Shit, yeah. that was long, dude. That was, that was very long. We'll do our education component later. But Austin, what is going on with you, man? Uh, on, on my end, yes. Yeah. So on my end, I don't think it was as busy. You hit definitely bit. Like it was busy, but it's a lot of it for me to, to say it's going to be repetitive in nature. I'll tell you what I've been up to, but you had bigger milestones, right? Um, how? You quit your job. You quit your job. Your mortgage. You, you, uh, you got your mortgage license. And uh, now you're coaching. I don't have those big announcements. Really, it's just on the wholesaling side. I could I could speak more towards. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, since we last talked, like I guess on the wholesaling side, um, it was it was moving, but we probably only did two or three deals last year. Maybe two deals, I think, two or last three deals. Year. 
Last yeah, year. yeah, because we started at the end of last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so our goal with wholesaling is to hit one million in revenue. Um, I would say, without giving specific exact numbers, we're trending towards that. We're getting a couple of deals a month. Um, at the beginning, it was very, very sided towards traditional marketing, like um, mailers, right? But now we ventured off into other creative marketing strategies, um, such as things like, like without really saying exactly because i don't i don't think we want to disclose um let me give let me give like close examples like people do bandit signs which mike lee talked about in the podcast radio like some people will go on radio in cottage town right where people bump the radio there and do an ad on we buy houses we're doing we're trying to do creative stuff as well on top of that and lastly we've been focusing a lot more into um working with newer investors or investors who are finding deals or putting the energy and hustle in to do things at low cost like networking door knocking shit like that and they want to partner with us on the dispo side so we've been doing a lot more of that recently i want to say we've done like five or six deals like that where we partnered with newer investors so so why does that model work and i, I kind of know the answer to this already but i i, I think there's value in you explaining to our audience of why would someone come to you for the disposition yeah, so it, it really works because um, with newer investors, they they don't really have the network established, right, with, with other investors in the community. So sometimes it's tough for them to dispo deals, right? Um, they don't know how to, maybe they don't know how to run the numbers, create the financials, ask the sellers the right question and details to communicate to the buyer and navigate that entire, you know, that entire kind of seller um and and assignee relationship throughout um so through that they want to partner with someone who is experienced right to make sure that all is okay like one thing you said is that the biggest risk is if you assign it to someone and they don't close on it right by working with an experienced wholesaler you can mitigate those risks you just don't want to assign it to the average joe so establish wholesalers they have the processes systems in place to be able to dispo deals efficiently a lot of the time they can ask for more money than what an average wholesaler like first time investor can ask for right so just to give you an example, without naming any names, one of the uh, one of the newer wholesalers came up to me, said, Austin, I want to wholesale this for a 60K fee, right? And I was like, there's no way, bud, we're going to we're gonna target close to six figures, right? And that's what we did. We pushed it up and then we wholesaled that. Um, my, you know which deal I'm talking about. I see you smiling. But yeah, like something like that, right? Like they're like, we liter like, literally doubled the profit margin um by working with someone that's established right and uh also on top of that some people just want to focus on one thing and build a specialty which is just getting deals door knocking so on and so forth so they want to build that niche up and they don't care to be an expert on the dispo side so they'll work with an experienced wholesaler on the wholesaler side the great thing is is that this is a cheap lead source for us right it's basically no marketing cost it's just putting in it for us it's putting in time and training them and making sure they understand what they're doing along the process and mentoring them but it's not really a capital investment and it's a limited time investment as well so there you have the win-win but that's what we've been pivoting towards more recently and we've gotten quite a bit of good deals from that yeah and i think for anyone that's new a new wholesaler out there listening to it i think personally that there's huge value in it it's ultimately like you you already you already said this but i'm just gonna reiterate it you basically become like a specialist in your area or in your skill right which is i'm gonna go out i'm gonna find deals i'm gonna lock it up right but now imagine you do that part and then you also have to sell it off right which means you're still working on the same kind of step in the pro like you're not 
you're not working on the next deal, which is going to pay you to eat two months down the road. You're still working on that first deal, right? Mm-hmm. Versus if you just lock it up, pass it on to Austin, go and lock up another one, pass it on to Austin and so on and so on. You can keep funneling deals, right? Which I think is a huge part. And the second big thing, I know you and I talked about this before, is really your wholesale fees and what you can demand and the amount of like demand that you can generate and stir up is purely based on like how big is my mailer list, right? Like how big is my network of people that I can send this deal out to? And a lot of newer investors, like, I'd love to buy deals from new wholesalers, right? Like I'll talk to them. Like, yeah, they'll charge like a 5K fee and it's yeah. like maybe 80K undervalued, right? Yeah, and it's like- right? But, as, <laughs> but as, yeah. a, as, a new, as a new wholesaler, you essentially want to partner up with someone that's got this massive like list, right? So yeah. that's awesome. Are you guys jumping, you guys are jumping into flips as well, right? Yeah, so that's what we've been uh, uh, moving more towards now. With the deals that we can't dispo, we still plan to close it ourselves. The reason being is because we're spending money on this marketing cost. It's a waste of money to let these deals go. If there are truly exit strategies and it's truly a good deal, we'll want to close on it, right? So we've been pivoting towards flipping. If there's deals we can't wholesale, we're more than happy to close them ourselves, right? So right now we're, we're doing a 30-day social media challenge, right, with the Rise Network Group. We'll get into that a bit later. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're focusing on raising capitals to fund these flips. We're doing a different approach from you. We're doing the um, 100% loan to value construction financing. We're okay to pay construction costs if we need to. Preferably, we like to turn over more product. Construction financing too? Uh, yeah, that's the preference, right? To go full, like just to be able, it's like a smart business practice where you can do more deals at once, right? That's kind of our game plan is to just do many deals at once because think about it when we're wholesaling and we're getting a ton of leads, uh, we're going to dispo them. If we can't dispo them, we might close like two or three of them. We want like, it just doesn't make sense to put 20% in each one and then find the renos in each one. Like we can only do one or like two at a time. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it just yeah. can't can't do a ton of them. You and there are a ton of great deals out there. Feeling flow is significant at that point. Yeah, exactly. It's following the US model. Like that's the mastermind that we're a part of. That's how these flippers are able to generate a ton of revenue for their business. That's how you build like a business per se. Like you so were talking about the hobby. About risk. Do you get concerned about risk at all? No, because you're buying things significantly discounted, right? So I'll tell you one of the deals that we bought. Uh, it's in Hamilton. Um, it's We sent it out to the mailer list. It was uh, a property in Dundas, an expensive area there in Hamilton. Yeah. Um, so okay. ARV is about $1.1 million. We sent it, we like just to double check, we gave it to a realtor. It's like, hey, we're, like, we're going to close this thing ourselves. We're going to waive conditions. What are your thoughts on this? He's like, over a mil all day long when you finish renos. Yeah. We got a contractor to go in, right? Uh, a pricier contractor. We have a, like a cheap contractor crew that will drive around for us, similar to you, Mayu. Um, and the contractor said less than a hundred thousand to renovate it like easily. Um, so we locked it up at seven fifty, put in a hundred, eight hundred fifty. If we sell it at one point one mil, there's a, like regardless of private lending, yeah, right? Regardless if there's a correction, if there's a correction, it might sit on the inventory a bit longer, or we might walk away, like you know. Like yeah. with a smaller margin, but there's profit there. At, the, at that price point, your monthly holding cost is probably what, like $8,000? Probably like eight grand. Yeah. Including insurance, utilities and shit. It's probably like getting up to eight grand. Yeah. It, it's getting up there, right? Which is why you, we want to be in and out quickly. It's largely a cosmetic reno though. Um, so yeah, like I agree. There is risk to it, right? Like that's, it's just the reality of any leverage business. There's risk to it, yeah. but you just do what you can to mitigate the risk as much as possible. Yeah, and I think when you, like I pay wholesale fees when I when I bought all three of the last whole flips that I did, um, I paid wholesale fees, right? So it's essentially what you're doing is you're internalizing that fee, right? And it's allowing you to pay for private capital, right? Which allows you to then do more and do it faster and bigger, right? Maybe we should talk about private financing a bit, private capital. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that that's essentially like yeah, we might as well, right? Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about it? Do you want to define? Yeah. Sure. Like I'll I'll start the introduction. Um, I guess for people who don't know what private capital is, long story short you are the bank, right? You are loaning money to another individual, hence private capital, because there's no financial institutions or anything involved. It's like a private transaction between one person to another loaning money. Um, and and typically, I don't know how in details we want to get into it. We'll just give the one-on-one basics real quick. There's like three types of tip. Like, yeah, there's, there's usually three types, common types of private lending. First one is first in charge secured. Long story short, it's like the bank right? Like the banks for like, if you default, the bank gets paid first, they're first in charge. Second one, second in charge, where it's like, if someone defaults, the first in charge gets paid first, then the second charge gets paid second. And the last one, it, like there's third in charge, fourth in charge, there's like all like a million in charge. Yeah. I, I came across a deal the other day where there was six people in charge. So that's so second. fucked up. Six. I was like, what was the, what was the, I don't know if you can disclose, what was the lowest registered amount? <laughs> It was like 4,000 bucks or something. Like Dog, that. the lawyer fees are like 5K. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so it's basically what Austin said, right? Like you've got secured and you've got unsecured borrowing though to simplify it, right? Um, secured borrowing is is basically the... Um, Registering on title. Yeah, it's registered on title. It could be individuals, but there's also like basically like mix that will do like private loans. Um, there's like families, like family offices or whatever those are called um, that will act as private lenders. There are companies out there that would be private lenders as well. Um, but basically the medium in which like a lot of investors raise capital is directly from other individuals, right? Um, and the, and the, like the way I like to explain it to people is I could go out and raise it from like a, like a Mick or like a, a company or whatever. But ultimately for like you and I, Austin, as like investors, like we like to raise it from individuals because it makes no difference to us if we're basically paying the same interest rate Right. But if we can save money on like lender fees, BIPs, um, on legals, whatever, I'm happy to pay the exact same interest rate to someone else and save the legal and save the fees yeah. and whatever. Right. Um, so that's basically how I look at it. But private lending, once again, secured or unsecured borrowing, uh, uns- unsecured lending that you're doing in exchange for a fixed rate of interest. Right. And that interest could honestly be anywhere from like 8% to 15% interest. It yeah, all just- depends on the amount and it also depends on your terms. And it also depends on secured or unsecured first, second in charge, all, all yeah. of that good stuff, right? Yeah. For, and the significant part of it is honestly going to be who you're lending it to, right? I think mm-hmm. if you're lending it to like a new investor that's done one or two deals, your return better be higher, right? Yeah. It's just part of the game. Like you get rewarded for the risk you take as well, right? There's a reason that GICs are at like one or whatever, 1% interest, right? Because the government's never going to default, right? But um, as a private lender, your recourse is always going to be that you could either take the property back or you could go through the courts and you can get rewarded for, you can get compensated back from the courts as long as the individual that you're lending to, if it's an unsecured unsecured loan, as long as the individual that you're lending to has other assets, right? Or the property is still available, right? So there FYI, is- this is not legal advice, guys. This is just based yeah. on our research and due diligence. <laughs> so yeah. I've actually been, I've, I've been a private lender for, I think like four years now. I've had like private loans outstanding, right? So I started with, 35 grand that I issued out. And then I got that back in a year or something like that, but I did like 50 grand and it's not like I had this money. Right. So it's basically, I levered up. Right. So I pulled from line of, lines of credit and I loaned it out at a higher interest rate. Right. Which, so basically the, so let's talk about that. Like who are the average like private lenders that you've borrowed from Austin? I'm- yeah. So the private, like it all, it all differs, right. Depends on which individual it is. Some people only have 50 K and we're, we're more than willing to borrow someone with 50 K, but it's going to be unsecured. Right. But when you're talking about the big amounts, like 
three, four, five hundred, six hundred thousand. Typically, these people want to be second in charge or first in charge, depending on like what the purchase price is, right? Um, but it it really just differs. It, like anyone can really get into private lending, um, but it's it's what terms you can get, right? The less money you have, the less probably you're able to negotiate any any great terms. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, I I personally think like when I think about the people that I borrow from, there's basically like two two buckets, right? One is like you've got a significant amount of capital, whether it's from like some sort of like business that you used to run. You could have been an investor in the past. You could have just sold off some properties, right? You've got like actual cash in the bank or in your RSP, right? Both or TFSA, all three of which kind of fall in the same bucket, right? And then the second is just people that have access to low cost of debt, right? So that's where like I borrowed from um, students that are doctors and like residency right um or i can't remember who but someone someone basically borrowed from people that were like starting to be veterinarians right Mm -hmm. um and and then there's like people that have home equity lines of credit right so that's like like our parents right where they've got like i don't know like very small mortgage balances but significant helots and they can so basically like this category of people they borrow debt at like two to three percent right like it's prime minus something or if it's a heloc prime plus 0.5 right yeah two to three percent and if they can loan it out at like 10 to 12 percent they're basically making a spread Right. Mm-hmm. And the borrowing system works best in that approach when you're kind of lending it to people that you know and trust, right? Um, that you trust will be like repaying you. You'll collect the 12%. So it's a very risk free approach to earning a 9% spread. I wouldn't say not risk free, but uh, it's, 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 whatever you want to call it, right? But yeah, it, yeah. It, in their perspective, like if you know and trust someone, like this is like if I, if I give you like 100 grand today, I'm not really going to be too fussed about whether it's secured or unsecured, right? Because, like, I know you, like, really well. Like, I know what your net worth is and, like, things like that. Like, I know you, you don't have- know my net worth. You don't know nothing about me. Yo, you talk default, about. Default on me. I'm coming after fucking everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not leaving you with the t-shirt, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, okay. I won't borrow from my you then. Look, like, ultimately, like, I think the best loans work when, they, like, you know someone's experience. You know they know what they're doing. And that's a risk mitigation, right? Versus if you're giving it to someone that's a little bit newer, um, make sure that you're getting rewarded for that risk with, like, a higher, like, you should be at, like, 18% interest. Yeah, I mean, so when, when it comes to choosing who you want to private lend to, there's two things. It's the character of the person. Exactly. Do you know, like, and trust them? What's their track record look like? Big part of it's brand. Because if they have a brand, you know that if they default, right, then you can attack their brand. And these people are not going to be able to operate in real estate. They can't raise capital or like, you know, they can't really function there anymore. So that's a big thing as well. Social proof, see their previous projects. If you want to call referrals, you can. I think that's extreme. That's like, if you really don't trust the guy, right? <laughs> okay, sure. Um, and then the, also the other things, the deal, if you're on the lending side, I think the bare minimum due diligence, like, can you send me the comps? Take a look at the comps to see what they're looking at as well. If you want to take it a layer, layer further, get your realtor to pull comps. Not every lender does that. Most lenders just kind of like, they look at your comps. Um, you can ask for an appraisal. Now, keep in mind, if you're asking for appraisal, it's usually if you're in charge, like registered on title, if you're unsecured, like, forget it. No one's going to give you appraisal for that. Um, and then also there's a quick rule where it's like your ARV, your, your after repair value times 80% minus your rental cost should give you the, the purchase price, right? It's flipping rule. Yeah. It used to be 70%, but the market's like insane. So like, that's not like a reasonable expectation. So I, I think it's 70% when you're dealing with the purchase price of like 100, 200 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When you're true. dealing with purchase price of like 800, 900, like a 20% margin is more than enough. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think you're right on Austin. The, the only thing I'll say is that like asking for comps and like all that kind of stuff, 
it becomes more relevant when you're doing like two, three, four, five hundred K. Yes. Right. If you're doing like 30 to 50 K, then no. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. With you. The reason you're doing it is just to earn a quick, like it, it's insignificant. You should be lending to someone that has that money somewhere else. Right. That's, that's another thing I look for. It's like, cause I, I issue private loans. Right. I'm like, okay, like how is that person going to repay me? Right. Do they have like stocks, bonds, whatever, and they're levering up to increase their return. That's perfect. That's who I want to lend to you. Right. Cause I, I know like if shit hits a fan and this flip goes, goes to shit, right. They're going to sell out of that thing off and they're going to like repay me. Right. So it's not like I'm like a last resort lender, which is essentially the situation that I want to avoid. Right. Last thing I want to touch on private lending before we move on is uh, I guess a big, a big pushback is what if, and we said this again, what if someone doesn't pay me back? Like, what do we do? What's our legal recourse? Right. We're not lawyers. I think you touched on it a bit. Um, I think the other part and confirm with your lawyer is if it's a promissory note, if it's something unsecured, you have to sue someone personally, you'll be in court for like a year or two, but the benefit of that, like if there is any benefit at all is you can target anything, right? It's like, like, as you said, you're going to leave me without a shirt. Yeah. Cause you can go for all the assets, but when you're registered on title and again, confirm with the lawyer, but from my knowledge, my understanding, it's usually that asset that you claim and, and nothing, nothing more than that. Right. But the legal proceedings are much quicker. Um, and one thing to keep in mind is in Canada, like most people don't foreclose. Like yeah. it just, it, well, it, it's so low. Yeah. Foreclosure basically means you got to put on the MLS, right? So that yeah. Means- like you're just like, yeah. you miss payment. I'm taking this and I'm selling it. Like yeah. the percentage is so low. First of all, second of all, if you do your due diligence, it'll be lower. Third of all, you work with an actual trusted investors. who have done this. It should be like even lower than that. But that's neither here or there. Just wanted to give some, uh, you know, some some more food for thought on that section. I think we want to just quickly touch on uh, a 30 day social media challenge that we're doing to wrap things up and how like people can get started on it as well if they want to give it a shot. Right. Um, so so we had an OPM event uh, very recently, other people's money, JV. And we put together a 30 day challenge, which kind of forces people out of the comfort zone. It forced me out of my comfort zone. It forced, it didn't force Mayu out of his comfort zone. He's never done lives alone. Right. Um, he's never even eaten dinner alone. He's a popular guy. So like it definitely forced him out of his comfort zone. And a lot of people who attended that event are, we're doing it together, keeping each other accountable. We're doing a post every single day for the next 30 days. We created a specific schedule for those 30 individuals, uh, not 30 individuals. Like I think it's like 70, 80 individuals. We created a specific schedule. Each day is a relevant specific topic. Like if you see my post, you see Mayu's post recently, we both put our whys, right? Uh, you see other people's posts, they talked about their whys, then Instagram live about a specific topic, then an educational topic. We, we, we got it down to the very uh, type of post that we need to put out there. But that's what we've been doing over the next 30 days to raise some capital. Yeah, I was honestly waiting to see if someone starts to realize that you and I are basically following a very similar rhythm, um, but it'll be interesting to see if they do. Um, yeah. <laughs> and let's just quickly talk about Rise. So there's a couple new different things that I want to just quickly outline for anyone that's interested. Um, Rise, we're trying to do a once, or is it once a month, Austin, or once every other month for the virtual networking events? Yeah, we're trying to do it. Honestly, it's originally once a month. Um, you guys let us know, right? DM me and Mayu and see how frequently you'd like it. We wanted to do once a month, but we don't want to overbear you guys with a ton of events. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just like free networking events. I think maybe we'll end up like charging five bucks and like donating or something. Um, but it's just like, essentially like we used to do these at like bars, right? Everyone meets up and talks real estate, talks shop for a little bit. 
Um, but obviously we can't do that right now. So it's just a free Zoom. And then we just do breakout rooms in the Zoom. Uh, we're doing once a month Insta Lives. Um, our last guest was PV um, to talk about tax and accounting, very timely. Our next guest is an appraiser to talk about commercial and residential appraisals and how they work. Um, and then we're gonna be doing that once a month. Um, so Mayurin is running that, Ishan and Sid are running our, our, our Zoom networking sessions. Um, we'll drop their Instagram actually in the show notes if you guys want to follow. Keep yeah, in touch. And then yeah, Shwebe is uh, basically going out and uh, mapping different regions. Right, that was a dope video. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. the we, well, we've only done one so far, but and that was pretty good. <laughs> that was Sudbury, so it basically is a resource for anyone that's interested in the Sudbury region. You could just go check that one out, and you can kind of get an idea of the different areas within that region, right? Um, so we're planning to do that for a bunch of different areas. I know Timmins is next because I'm. Uh, I'm supposed to be working on Timmins with him <laughs> just because I want to do it for Timmins, but he's also going to be doing another region after that. Um, so we're going to be basically mapping out all these like investor focused like cities, um, giving people the resources they need to go out and buy in those areas. So I think that covers everything that we want to talk about. Austin. I don't know yeah, that does cover everything that we wanted to talk about. I know, I guess today's session was more of a catch up, catch up between you and I, because like we're, whenever me and Mayu talk, a lot of it's like we're putting out fires or some shit or another. So it's good to just have a summary of like what's going on in both of our lives and also to talk to the audience out there, right? Um, like there's a lot going on on both of our sides. We hope that you guys are doing well in your journey so far. You're on track to meet your end of the year goals. And if not, reevaluate, make changes, decide if the goals you set originally were really right for you. Um, hope to see you guys out in our events. We have a lot of great shit planned out for the rest of the year. So we want to see you guys there and participate in it. And uh, if you want to do the 30 day challenge, we definitely encourage it, right? It's a great way to raise capital or at the very least, put your brand out there. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Next one, we're going to have, we're going to resume bringing on guests so you don't have to just listen to my and I talk. If you enjoyed this podcast, like subscribe, comment. Like I know for a fact, Apple podcast is a great platform for us. Like that's where we're getting the most ratings and shit. So if you're listening on Apple podcasts, please rate us. Like I beg of you to rate us. <laughs> You know, we almost quit podcasting. That's why we didn't have an episode last week. We're just a shit. Should we? No, we joking. We're just, way too lazy. That's we're just very, yeah, we're just unorganized. <laughs> and I was in Mexico. Um, anyways, hope right. you guys enjoyed this episode and uh, invest smarter and live better. Tune in next week. Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in.